words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. In John 14, it says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas, who is always doubting, said to the Lord, Lord, we don't know. Thank you so much. I actually need water. Okay, nowhere for us to keep it. Thank you, man of God. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father that will be, that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me? Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I say, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I, I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Come on. I think that this is such a powerful promise from God. I think that this is such a powerful, powerful um, paragraph of the Bible. Because we see Jesus giving his disciples a reassurance of who they are in him and the things that he's able to do. You know, I spent a whole week <clears throat> and 14 days or 14 sessions teaching people about access. And the reason why the Holy Ghost was teaching about access is because the Holy Ghost began to speak to me from the month of July, about the month of September. And he began to say to me that the month of September is a great and open door 
And he said, in the realm of the spirit, there is an allocation, allocation of grace for people to be able to make the needed journey into God's own season for their lives. And in the realm of the spirit, I saw a lot of people that had fallen out of alignment with God's will. I saw a lot of people that had traversed into regions and territories in the spirit realm that had physical manifestation of missing the mark. And I saw people who had even journeyed into places in business, places in relationships, places in ministry that was not allocated for them by God. And the problem with trespassing boundaries is that it leaves you a prey to Satan. And the Lord began to say that there are many people I am delivering from the predatory nature of Satan by realigning them with my will. And the Lord says September is the season of restoration and redemption. And the Lord says in the month of September, I open up to my people a gate of possibility that that which was stolen and broken might be redeemed. He says to everyone who believes and pays the price to wait on me in my presence and pays the price to go into revelation. He says I will open a door on the inside of them and I will put my word in their mouth that they would know how to navigate through this door of possibility by the word in their mouth. He says there is a door. Right now as we stand in this room, there is an open door in the spirit realm by which every single one of us have the ability and the capacity to go right back into God's goodness, to journey back into God's will, to journey back into God's presence, to journey back into the places where we missed it and begin to make a U-turn back into our destiny. It is open. Do not let this season pass you by. This is not one of the sermons you listen to and you're like, oh, you know, nice woman, nice shoe. She, she do preach nice. This is not one of those messages. For I do not bring to you a sermon. I bring to you a season. I do not bring to you a sermon. I present before you a door of opportunity. This is not just a sermon. This is a power to enter. A capacity to journey back into purpose. It is a wise man that knows what time it is. There are things you argue with, but there are things you don't argue with. You can argue with how he's playing. You can argue with how the spotlight should be fixed. You don't argue with the sun. You don't argue with the ocean. You don't argue with times and seasons. If you partner with the time of God, then you become a powerful king on the earth. And this is what God is calling us to. So as he began to tell me about September, he said to me, he said, but my people do not know how to access. They don't know how to go through the door in the spirit. He said, teach them. And so I spent hours, at least 60 hours in one week, teaching about access. Access. There have been testimonies of changed lives. Idols broken in people's houses. Healing to people's bodies. There was a testimony of a man who had stroke the day before. Taken to the hospital was like a vegetable. And as we began to pray and declare that the door of healing was open, we began to rebuke the spirits that stand to manipulate the lives and the health of people and declared healing 
to the man with stroke. The next day, he got up, took his bath himself, was eating himself. The doctors and the nurses were astounded. What is the meaning of this? Why? Because there are some things that transcend past medical understanding. There are demons that can hold people's bodies captive. And no matter the nomenclature we want to give to it, it is yet a satanic problem. And it has to be rebuked by the name of Jesus. Are we together? So Jesus was saying to them in Luke 14, he says there's a concept that is critical for you to understand. If you're going to be a person of influence, if you're going to be a person that I will use to establish my kingdom mandate, if you're going to rule over territories, nations, and jurisdictions, you must reconcile with this truth. He says that I am in God, and God is in me, and I am your door of access. You have to reconcile it. Everyone in this room, you need to believe that every time you say, in the name of Jesus, you are not calling a random philosophy that men wrote in a book. You are calling for the presence of El Shaddai Elohim, the great God who made all things known to us. You are calling him. His entire office, his entire power is what you are evoking in a moment of speech. He says, if you will resolve this in your heart, it will completely change your life. It will completely change the things that are available to you. So the first thing first, that I believe that it is important for the church to remember again, is that we are standing at the junction of two realms. You know, there are many believers that somehow have become so dulled out by the world, that somehow in the midst of our lives, we really don't believe in the supernatural anymore. So when these people were standing here, I was shouting, make way. Are you heavens? Let the praise go up. As the walls come down. Our creation. What were you hearing? Nice song. Wow, they are charming for Jesus. What were you hearing? Were you hearing beautiful melody? Or were you hearing chants of war? Were you hearing the very things that are changing the atmosphere in the spirit realm? Were you seeing warfare happening by reason of the declarations of men? So when you were dancing, what were you dancing about? Were you just giving the latest dance step or were you moving because the camera came close to you? Or were you dancing understanding that upon the earth men have the right to be able to stand as custodians of this earth realm? And because we are custodians of the earth realm, we are the gateway between this world and deities in the heavens. And that's why every deity is always seeking to partner with a man. Because in their partnership with man, they receive the legal right to infiltrate the earth through the heavens. And so when you see a man stand and begin to sing and begin to dance, what he is singing and dancing are the very rituals of his priesthood that permits the God to him he sings and dances to, to enter into this world. Because you have become the living altar, the living tabernacle and the living temple of God. So if 
even the moves of your body are the movements that open the doorways in the spirit realm that permit a God to infiltrate the earth. So when I dance and when I shake, I am not looking for the latest dance move. That which determines the movement of my body, body that compass is in the spirit. It is the will of God that determines whether I raise my head or I raise my hand or I move my leg. The will of God controls my body because my body is a vessel that transfers the eternal life of God into the earth. There is a priesthood that I carry and according to the order of my priesthood, I covenant my body to God. And so wherever my body goes, my priesthood goes. Wherever my body goes, my altar goes. Wherever my body goes, my kingdom goes. So when a priest stands, a priest cannot afford to dance, to sing, to chant, to just anything. Because when you are a carrier and a transmitter of the life of a deity, God said, understand the concept of a man being one with a God. Understand the concept of a person speaking to you being one with the deity that he represents. He says, if you can get it, you can get everything in the kingdom. If you can get it, we will not need to preach to you to be holy. We will not need to beg you to stay away from sin and iniquity. If you can get it, you can understand how kings rule and how men dominate spheres. There is no king that does not understand the throne and the altar. There is no king that has ever lived. There is no king that has ever lived that did not have a deity that he consulted. A king that doesn't have a backing from the spiritual supernatural realm is a king that is soon to be uprooted from his throne. Every man that carries power knows this. So how do you sit in the church and declare that you are a marketplace apostle and declare that you are a king in this world on behalf of God and your altar is not on fire. It is the height of spiritual. I don't, I don't know which word I will use that will not seem insultive. You know. The worth of what you carry determines the security system you put in place. Spiritual security systems is not for CCs. It's for men of understanding. This is why there was nothing you could say to David. He was a powerful king. He controlled men. David's men were powerful. Now think about how powerful David was. He had Israel on his side. He had wealth and riches. But David kept his ears on the heart of God. Because he knew all of this that I have can be taken away from me in a moment in time if I but miss it. One day he woke up in pride and he said to himself, I'm going to number the people that I have. Do you know what the Bible says about what David did? The Bible actually declared that Satan sought to destroy the children of Israel. So he moved the hand of David to number the people. That story wasn't about David. It was about Israel. So Satan was coming for Israel. Who did he go for? The priest, the king. 
and he moved his heart. Let me tell you, there is some kind of pride and arrogance that we have that you are dealing with. It's not about you. It's about this generation. It's about your children. It's about your family. It's about the jurisdiction of your calling. Satan knows that pride always limits the reach of a king. Always. Because you set up yourself to be resisted by the very structure of heaven that was given to empower you. So he moved David. And David said, I want to know how many people I have. There is nothing wrong with a census. That same God at different times called for census. So what was the problem? It wasn't the census. It was the heart with which David was requiring to know. Because somewhere in his mind, he began to feel by the inspiration of hell that his power had done this. What was the resultant effect? In one day, I think it is something thousand people died in Israel. In one day. God has raised you up as a door. A door in your family. A door in the church. A door in your nation. A door in your generation. My question to you is how many people are alive today because of you? And how many people have died because of the days that you were not spiritually sensitive about the effect of your actions? You say my heart is my heart. God sees my heart. God sees your heart. But the spirit realm also sees your heart. And Satan raises legalities against you and against generations because of the state of your heart. Are you with me this morning? So as I speak to you about access, I need us to remember the realm of the spirit and to recognize that the realm of the spirit exists. And you, 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 can, you, you can be great at physical things. I'm wearing shoes now. I didn't come here bed fit. I didn't come here shouting, you know, saying, because they make way the way of the Lord, I'm such a powerful prophet, so I won't brush my teeth. You understand? Smelling, I won't use deodorant. I, didn't, I don't do that. So you see, it's okay to be very aware of your physical environment, but you have to be more aware of the spirit. Very aware. Down to what you wear, what you eat, who you dine with. Everything matters. Because when you carry a priesthood, you are the exact representation of the God that stands over your altar. When you carry a priesthood. So everything about you must align with him. Now you go through the scripture and you begin to realize that there are multiple, multiple doors in the realm of the spirit. Multiple doors. And while I was teaching this topic, I began to speak to the people about different operations in the spirit realm. I taught them about the heavens and the different levels of the heavens that exist. How we have the first heaven, which is what we all see. 
the second heavens, which is where principalities and powers dwell. And we have the third heavens, which is where we know God, heaven, not God, but heaven is. And when you speak about the third heavens, that's where Apostle Paul was speaking about in 2 Corinthians 12, 24. And he began to say, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and had inexpressible things, things that no one permitted to hear. Now, as Apostle Paul was talking about the third heavens, I was talking about this encounter. He kept saying, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. That is to tell you that you can be here on earth and have certain encounters in your spirit that you are, it is so real that you are uncertain whether you literally physically moved into it or if it was something that happened to you or entered into your mind. It is possible to traverse the spirit realm so easily. So the things that you see witches and warlocks and sorcerers doing, these are things that were meant to be bred for us. But because we have refused to access divinity and divine life properly, they are taking a back door to access it. And so you sit as a king and as a son of the living God and somebody astral projects from their home and comes to have sex with you to bind you to a demonic altar and then you wake up in the morning and start having struggles in your business, in your life and in your marriage. How dare they do that to you? When you go to bed, your body sleeps but your spirit is alive by the power of the Holy Ghost. We have the capacity to wage war in the spirit realm. We have the ability to pull down demonic systems and altars and to restrict the power of hell from going further than the boundaries that God has set for them. He says, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. So you see, what we call spooky spiritual, there is nothing like spooky for a Christian. The divine life is our reality. The spirit realm is a cloak that we wear. Our body is mainly a, a, a means of interaction between two realms. How can we get so taken by that structure which was put in place so that we may engage the earth that we forget that there was a reason why we came in the first place? I pray that the spirit of God will put a fire on your inside. The kind of fire that will cause you to pray until the fabric of humanity and brokenness tears from your face I pray that God will put a fire on the inside of you a desire to see a manifestation of true spiritual life I pray that God will empower you to rise up even in this same year you would rise up in authority and dominance and you will reclaim your voice in the realm of the spirit the devil is a liar the devil is a liar. Lies, 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 lies. That this is who you are, wristwatch. That this is who you are, what you wear. Lies of hell. That what you drive is who you are. Big lie. The devil is a liar. That's who he is. That's everything that he is. He lies. So I said to them last week, I said, when he comes against you, just say, liar, liar, you will end up in the lake of fire. He's a liar. 
tell him his future, he will leave your present alone. So the third heavens do exist. The second heavens do exist. I want to ask you this morning, where do you wage war from? How many things have you actually changed before? The last time they came to you and said, your son has been hugging and kissing other boys in school. What did you do? You pulled out Koboko to flog a spiritual problem. When was the last time you understood the art of negotiation in the spirit realm? Remember that king, right? The children of Israel were fighting according to a prophetic word of God that God gave. And they were winning the war. And this Moabite king looked at the battle. He said, I cannot today that I will lose. The Bible says, even though God had given them a word that they will win, this king went back, took his first son. By taking his first son, he was declaring that this war in front of me is more important than the continuity of my throne. That is the biggest sacrifice a king can make. So he took the sacrifice and he went to the wall of the kingdom and he slew his son there. When you read it in the Hebrew text, what it describes is that as soon as he killed the son, a step opened to the second heavens. And so the Bible says that what happened was that great terror came upon the children of Israel. They fled and left the battle for him. Listen to me. That king understood something that we don't understand today. There are some problems you have that a therapist cannot solve for you. And I am not saying there's no need for therapy. You understand? Because people came against me the last time I said, you see, depression is a spiritual problem. They came for me. You know, sometimes people say, you see, I just feel like you don't get it. I say, listen, I get it. You know why? I've been there. I've been there. They came for my mind. They came for my mind. I would wake up crying and shaking like a child. I don't know what to do. I don't, I've never asked. To the point that to physical manifestation of my body altered my reality. It was not any medicine that solved it. It was God. 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 Persistent pursuit. Asking the Lord the right questions so that he may restore to me the soundness of mind that is mine by right. It was not a medication. It was not excessive speech that resolved my problem. It was the right speech to the right deliverer. So I'm not, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. And yes, there's a place to talk. You understand? Because I do that too. But I don't give my words to just anyone because the power to life and death is in the tongue. So even when you complain, you must make sure you don't end up like the children of Israel where your word releases a brood of vipers against you. I don't know if anybody is with me. Because of their complaining, God allowed the snakes to come for their feet. 
And the faith represents the mechanism by which you journey into your future. So there's a way in which you do excessive speech without the glorification of God that releases Satan to come for your ability to journey forward. So be careful in the name of I need to talk. Don't talk yourself into captivity. Are you with me? Aha. Uh -huh. So this king understood that if I give a sacrifice that is greater than whatever price these people have paid, I rule the heaven. So my question to you is, how much have you given? You go for two hour prayer meeting, we don't go hear word again. You sowed one seed, one time. From then, you want to tell the pastor how the church should be. I just feel that, you know, sometimes in this church, sometimes we just, there's a way in which, manner in which. What sacrifices on your altar? Because the strength of your altar is the strength of your sacrifice. The strength of your altar is the strength of your sacrifice. The Bible says as soon as he killed this child, a door opened in the realm of the spirit. And the God to whom he sacrificed came down and terrified the children of Israel who were worried by prophecy. So they tell you your seed is about to be taken. You will go back. You will enter Genesis. And you will begin to speak to the God whom created the concept of reproduction. The God who created the concept of the seed. He says as long as the heavens and the earth remain, seed, time, harvest will never cease. Then you will begin to speak to the heavens. And you will begin to say God has locked in you the ability to replicate the good that is on the inside of me. And so I say to you, oh time that you will shut your doors to any demonic entity that is trying to infiltrate the life of my seed because my seed is meant to bring forth a much better tree a much better fruit than myself not to bring forth a spoiled and broken version of what I sowed and if perhaps in the time when you conceived or in the time when you were raising a child or even through your lifetime you recognize that there is something off about what you are sowing into your family you repent the spirit man belongs to men who know how to negotiate. The spirit realm belongs to people who understand the tables of gods. And so this king understood the table of gods. He understood the language of spiritual negotiation. You see, Abraham was negotiating four generations before the priesthood of Levi. So there are some things that you possess today or that possess you that are not that have nothing to do with you they have everything to do with the negotiations of your fathers there are some priesthood that certain people enter into that have nothing to do with them it has everything to do with the seed that their father sowed to certain gods since you've been born again you try to use your money to cover up for your weakness when will you stop and pause and allow the cry for your own destiny to come out? When will you take a week off and lie down on the floor and begin to cry and say, where is the God that is greater than my father's gods? 
Where is the God that is greater than my father's house? Where is the God of Jabez who prayed and said, My God, open up to me a way of salvation. And even though my mother called me pain, I want to be a man that blesses. My God, where are you, the one who alters destinies? Where is the God that is able to take the spirit of a man and turn him around on the cause of death and move him into the way of life? Where is the man that dwells within every realm of existence? My God, I know what history says. I know what the story is, but I also know who you are. Help me, Lord. He come as survive. The distance between you and the performance of your prophetic destiny is your cry. There must be a cry on the inside of you. There must be a hunger on the inside of you. There must be a desire in your spirit to see a manifestation of God. May the very things we went to school for not swallow up our lives. The very thing you've been panting for. I want to be a governor. I want to be president. Have oil well. I want to be the greatest businessman. I want, may it not swallow up your true life. May it not swallow up your life. When you don't know who you are. And the gate that is open to you. You will pass through any other door. That is giving you as an alternative. negotiating because they are different realms you cannot cry out a demon are you with me I've been crying to God since I hear you I understand in his mercy what he will do is then give you revelation by which you can deal with the problem but crying alone will not solve it are we together the Bible says they stood in front of the Red Sea in the book of Exodus. And Moses cried out to God. Lord, Lord, Pharaoh is behind us. He's about to catch up with us. Lord, hey, what shall we do? And the children of Israel were, can you imagine one million people wailing? Ah, hey, hey. And God answered Moses, waiting they worry you. Why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying out to me? If you are standing in front of the Red Sea and you know you need to get to the other side and the Red Sea is standing in your way, part it. There are some things I don't need to consult God to know that God wants to move. If it is standing between me and the prophetic word that the Lord has given to me, it has to part. It doesn't matter even if the sea is a struggle on the inside of me. If the sea is a jealousy, if the sea is a pride, if the sea is anger, if the sea is fear, as long as it is standing between me and the prophetic word of the Lord, it has to part. So what do I do? I will lift the scepter of the word of the Lord. I will lift the scepter of prayer and intercession. I will lift the scepter of praise and the ritual of seed sowing. And I will declare to every sea in my spirit, I am bigger than you, O spirit of fear. I am greater than you, O spirit of jealousy. I am bigger than you, spirit of malice and pettiness. Because I see from the word of the Lord,
Lord that you are standing in the way of the actualization of my destiny and so by the power of the Holy Spirit I call forth what is written of me in the volume of the books concerning my apostolic mission concerning my mission as a son of the living God I decree and I declare according to the holy writings in the books of God that you malicious spirit from hell out in Jesus name a priest does not enter his altar and see a thing that comes to corrupt the altar and then runs away to look for another priest to deal with it you understand that the corruption of your altar is the corruption of your priesthood and the corruption of your priesthood is the limitation of your power as soon as you see a corruption you take it by the head and you crush it by the blood that you may enter in to the place of authority and dominance come on people of God for how long will you tarry around the mountain of weakness for how long will you tarry around the mountain of limitation for how long will you negotiate with the serpent that has come for your feet where is the word of the Lord that declares that he will come but the feet of the woman will crush the head of the serpent where are your head crushing strategies where are your head crushing businesses where are your feet crushing ministries where are your feet crushing seas where are your head crushing sanctification somebody needs to get back into the door of power somebody needs to get back into the door of the spirit somebody needs to be triggered back into the place where you recognize that this world is smaller than you think it is it is not as big as you think it is smaller than who you carry on the inside of you do not let culture kings kingdom money intimidate you there is a cry of a holy one that dwells on the inside of you that is bigger than pounds and dollars I am not controlled by the economy of this world for I carry an entire ecosystem on the inside of me I am the treading route of the spirit I determine times and seasons come out of the control of demonic altars break out of the control of satanic altars somebody shout I am free I say shout I am free by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus you have to understand that there are operational systems in the spirit realm operational systems in the realm of the spirit there are different systems there are legal systems in the spirit realm you cannot dilly around truth you can't yesterday my husband and I were having a conversation in the morning and by the time we were done I said I know the name of this thing we are talking about I said I will write a book on it I will teach a series on it and I will help a generation to break out of it 
but let me go and break it first in my life. We were talking about different things and different scenarios and we ended up at a topic called the yoke that wrestles against my destiny. And as soon as we hit it, I said, Bobby, you know this thing is all over the Bible. And he said to me, yes now. He said, because there's always a yoke in the life of every man that is that limitation that makes it hard for that man to fulfill destiny. He said, the day we will all progress is the day we all stand and admit this is that one thing that is my biggest struggle. <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether you're the one that caused it or it was handed down to you like a garment in the spirit realm. This is that one thing. For Esau, it was his inability to take things seriously. Esau didn't understand timing. He didn't understand timing. There must have been days where Esau came back. Because like I was saying to them during prayer reign, see tomorrow we don't know the work when Jacob they do before he went to Laban's house. We just used to know he used to cook and have food. Do you understand what I'm saying? So every time his home was always around food. So maybe he was just that mommy's boy. I don't know. Bible didn't tell us. So if you looked at Esau and Jacob, follow me. Who would you call the serious human being in that family? Esau. Esau was a hunter, a big people. Yes. He would go out. He, he was a mighty man. When the time came, Esau married, I think, two wives. Jacob never married one. When you look at it, Jacob, you say, what did they worry you? Can't you build? Try, try, help your life. But in the spirit realm, Jacob was galvanizing all his energy for a time. Jacob knew that there was something he could not miss. Jacob knew there was a moment that if he touched it, everything Esau was gathering in sweat, he would gather in blessing. He was waiting for a moment. And so Esau could never tell when those moments came. So the day he came back and said, I'm very hungry. Jacob said to him, give me your bed ride. And he said, ah, take it, give me porridge. Porridge. As I teach about priesthood, one of the first things I teach about the ordinances of the priest is food. And I also teach about food as a gate in the spirit realm. You, you, look, you cannot bypass the matter of food. Have you ever seen an altar where sacrifices are made that the priesthoods are not required to eat of the other. Have you ever seen it? There's no such order. Even if you go to a juju man's house, then they do, do, do. It may be one small alligator pepper, or one smell tail of the lizard, or one smell gallbladder, gallbladder of what gecko, or what gecko. They will give you one thing to eat. Because according to the scriptures, if you go there in the Bible, according to the scriptures, the Bible declare concerning Levi, said Moses, say to Levi and to his sons, of the sacrifice of the altar they should eat, it shall be an everlasting ordinance unto the priest. It is a spiritual ordinance that the priest will eat of the food of the altar. 
And so when you eat of the food of the altar, let me explain to you the significance of it. Because the food that is placed on the altar, the sacrifice of the altar, is a speaking in the spirit realm that now this is the proof that there is a negotiation between a deity and me. And what we have negotiated is sealed by the sacrifice on the altar. And so when the deity consumes it or when it is burnt, it is an acknowledgement that this contract is signed. So when the priest takes of the sacrifice and eats of it, he becomes the embodiment of a demonic contract. So everywhere he goes, he is carrying a written covenant with him. Understand what I'm talking about? So there are some tables that you have dined on, that you have eaten of, and I'm not just talking about physical food again. I'm talking about the food of wealth. I'm talking about the food of influence. I'm talking about the food of friendship. There are some tables you have dined on that have left you exposed in the spirit realm. You partook of an agreement that somebody else had with a deity. Until today, you are being chased by that very thing. Have you not read in the book of Genesis how, how Rachel carried the gods of her father's house and was making a holy journey making a holy journey with Jacob a man of covenant and the Bible says as long as Rachel was with him without God that Laban was chasing Jacob and caught up with Jacob in the days of perfection seven days he caught up with Jacob why? because you see the God that Rachel was carrying became a spiritual tracking device that made it possible for a holy man to be caught by an enemy sometimes the thing that is worrying you is not what you have done is who you are journeying with so that's why God began to say to Abraham that as a consensus covenant that it is not just to you but to everyone in your house everyone that you are with and is with you and to every creature in your house you don't understand your dog, your cat are carriers of covenants every creature every creature so a snake cannot come into my house and bite my child. The day the snake enters my house, it becomes a partaker of the holy covenant of God. It becomes a good snake. Are you with me? Oh no, me sande kapali. Skunre kete sungre ikepai. I did not set the ordinances of the spirit realm. God did. It says, and they become a part of everything. So you need to understand that those that are with you, they make you a partaker of the covenant that they carry. That's why you cannot have a business partner because he went to Harvard and Yale. You didn't hear me so. If you must, then your priesthood must arise as the superior voice on the boardroom tables of negotiation. I've told you this before. When men sit down to negotiate, it is not money they are negotiating. It is not men that are sitting on tables. It is altars that sit on tables. Because every man is a representation of the altar that he serves. This is why we shall put a Christian answer. Put a, you go put Christian there in, no go feed do anything. Put him, put him, put him. 95% of the people are insulting the person. How can the person have the necessary energy to fight the other one where their own cohorts are praying incantations and spells to back him up? How? How? 
then it should have been the collaborative priesthood of the church to empower there's no collaboration of our priesthood so we disempower the few that have revelation concerning kingdom establishment we disempower them by hurling curses at them do you know how many times I've gone to nations to do God's work and then I will get feedback one pastor one minister someone will say what's she doing does she think this is her ministry is done they will swallow her up there what is all this thing that he's a fika is he Ogun I'm going to save worst case scenario one soul will be saved so what is the agitation so as we talk about doors and ways we must ask ourselves which door am I empowering in the realm of the spirit which way am I opening in the realm of the spirit there are thrones in the spirit realm under the operational systems there are legalities in the spirit realm there are do's and don'ts and things that when you do it puts you in trouble there are altars and agreements covenants I shared about the story of how Joshua made an agreement with the Gibeonites and then 300 years later after Joshua had died gone he has even set up training school with Jesus in heaven 300 years later well paradise heaven didn't exist then the Bible says that a famine came over the land in the time of David David who was a man of covenant a king of covenant famine came to his land how did the famine happen David went to consult and they said to him Saul the king before you broke a covenant that Joshua 300 years before him made with the Gibeonites pause for one minute did God tell Joshua to make an agreement with the Gibeonites no as a matter of fact God told him finish them Joshua made an agreement and God was obligated to honor the covenant I need you to hear me so for those of you that are saying God why would you do something ask yourself what in you you do my father will say something must to cause something to happen you understand that parable now something they cause something to happen so when you are shouting God do something ask yourself what is the something that me I did because sometimes you don't need seven days of warfare prayers you just need seven minutes of strong repentance that's all you need for your deliverance to renounce certain things to repent of certain things and then boom the gates of heaven open up to you so here is a famine in the time of David the land was dry people were hungry David played the harp play 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 rain no fall David wrote 500 psalm rain no fall he used all his strategies he knew in the spirit realm nothing happened listen people of God when you have exhausted your strength in the realm of the spirit and you have used all spiritual strategy known to you to solve a problem and nothing is happening it is most likely an altar or a covenant that is speaking 
There's a legality in the realm of the spirit that you have to go back and search. So David had to go and ask, what am I missing? And they told him, listen, your four, 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 four bearers made an agreement. And this is what is worrying your land today. What must I do? And the Gibeonites said to David, the Gibeonites. <laughs> I'm trying to look for how to say what I want to say. Because the people that gave David solution was not the priest of Israel. It was the Gibeonites. Listen to me. I don't care whether the person is born again or Muslim. There are some laws in the spirit realm you don't break. You don't see an old man on the road and insult him. Even if he's your driver. Are you listening to me? You don't hit a person on the road and run and you don't try to take the person to the hospital. There are some gates you leave wide open that your generations pay the price for it. You can't. It was the Gibeonites who were not the children of God that told David, this is what your people have done against us. Pay this price. There are some places you worked, they were good to you. Because of the opportunities they gave you. That's why World Health Organization wants to hire you today. But not a single day do you ever have anything good to say about them. You insult them, you hurt curses, you slander their name. Listen, it is coming for you. Can I continue? It is called legalities in the spirit realm. The way when they talk for our village, I say, the person will feed you. You know, they bite in hand. If not, everywhere you go, they go. They bite you, they go. Hear me. Today, some people need to do a turnaround and, re and be spiritual people. You are too carnal. You evaluate everything by emotions. You evaluate everything by feeling. There are many things you don't engage based on emotions. You engage them based on instituted authority in the spirit realm. If you follow emotion, you will destroy your destiny. We are in a generation where everybody speaks as you like. And then you wake up tomorrow morning. I know I'm going to lose some people after I say this. And you have the audacity to put up a post. You curse all the pastors when they Lagos finish. <laughs> it is coming for you. Did God give you the right to? Is that your office and your calling? The Bible says the man that brought the sword of Saul to David. He thought that David would reward him. So he came and said, ah, I saw him upon the mountain. You know, he was almost dying. I thought to have mercy on him. So he said, I should put this one. And to, yeah, so I took the sword. And oh, this is it. David, David first said, you people, hold him first. Then David wept and wept and wept and wept. 
Then he came back and he killed the man. How dare you lay your hands on the Lord's anointed? When we read the scripture, my son said to me, But mommy, Saul has been trying to kill him since now. Because we're reading the story of David. So he saw the times when Saul. He said, so he should be happy that the man killed his. He said, even though the, because man was lying, he actually wasn't the one that killed Saul. But he lied, thinking he would get a reward. He had conquered the matter. So he said, he should have. And I said to my son, I said, Nathan, this lesson I want to teach you today, don't ever forget it. I said, the reason why David did not rejoice is because David understood. Because he was a spiritual man, he knew that he could not judge Saul based on Saul's earthly errors. He needed to judge Saul based on Saul's positioning as the anointed king of Israel. I said David also understood that if he partook of the abuse of the instituted government that Saul represented, when he got into the throne, another will abuse him. So David understood it. And David knew, weak, broken, arrogant as Saul was, he was God's king for a time. And we stand and we shout, we are the seed of David. Are you really? Are you really? Are you really? You divorce your wife. You divorce your husband. Please permit me. Be sure not kill me in Jesus' name. And then you go to town with your name. Post it on every blog. Every media house possible. In the name of, I have to defend myself. What happened to Jehovah Nisi? Why? Was that not your authority system for a season? Was that not the way that God kept you and preserved you for a while? If any man should speak to kill, do not let it be you. Do not let it be you. It's a choice you have. It's a choice you have. And God honors righteous choices. He does. He does. So, they said, David says, so what should we do now that we have realized this is the problem? The Gibeon, I said to them, you must give us men from the house of Saul to kill. And so David presented to them several sons of Saul to be killed. But the Bible aptly records that David did not give them Mephibosheth because David had made a covenant with Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father. <laughs> Hear me. The covenants you are making today, your children will reap from them. Whether they are godly covenants or demonic covenants, men forget. Spirits never forget. It says that David, because of the covenant he had made, he was obligated to bypass the one that Joshua made with the Gibeonites. And even though Saul's house was to pay, he bypassed that. Mephibosheth could not pay. Why? Because he had a covenant with Mephibosheth's father. And it says, when the seven sons of Saul were hung, they were killed, bam, restoration came to the land. 
In the spirit realm, there are legalities. There are covenants. There are altars. I said to you certain things about altars. I said, in fact, as I'm rounding up, I'm going to just share something that a, a man asked me. And I was counseling with a man a while ago. And he said to me, he said, P.I., I have so many prophecies about my life. He said, there are many. He said, the kind of prophetic words are when they are coming, you cannot deny this is the word of the Lord. He said, some of them, God confirms in dreams and in visions. He said, but no manifestation. And he said to me, he said, but I've been hearing again and again and again and again that when God gives you a word, build an altar as a backing, as a support, as a representation of the word you have heard. And he took me back to Genesis when the Bible says that God made a covenant with Abraham and Abraham built an altar there to the God that had spoken to him. He says, so if I am to build an altar concerning the words that God gives to me, what does the altar look like? And I said to him, this is a fantastic question. I said, now, I know that every time we hear the word altar, we think about prayer meeting, church. In fact, some of us still see the altars that we saw as children. You just see one thing that they built like this. Oh yeah, fire, red candle, too. You understand? And I said to him, I said there is the altar of prayer. There's the altar of worship. There are different kinds of altars. I said, but the altar you build is dependent on the word you've been given. I said, because there's a specification for every altar. And I said to him, if you receive a business prophecy that this is who you're going to be, you're going to establish a company that does this, 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 this. You cannot receive the business company about a company you are to start, prophecy, and then you go back and what you build is an altar that looks like the one that a pastor will build for intercessory ministry. Are you with me? I said to him because the altar is the physical structure that a man sets up as the proof of his faith that what God has said he will do. And the altar becomes the point of intersection between the man and the God who gave him a word. I said, so this is where the children of the world understand it and we don't. And so when certain religions open maybe a school, they make the school a conveyor of the intentions of the deity who gave them the idea about the school. But when we open the school, we are chasing British curriculum, American curriculum, we want to kill our children with curriculum. But when they open schools, they are seeking to allow the life and the spirit of their God to be in the school. Stay with me. I said, so to build an altar structure, it has to be a representation of the specific prophetic word you were given. I said, so the Lord says to you, you're going to have the biggest marine company in Nigeria. You're going to this, 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 the badges and this one. What have you done since then? You've been praying. You've sown seed. Okay, what? Go and register the company. That's the first base of the altar. Are you with me? I said, you register the company. I said, another thing about altars is that names are provoked from altars. So every time they raise an altar, Ebenezer, my stone of uh, help. Then we raise an altar, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Nisi, this one. Every altar has a name. 
I said, so down to the name of the company must be specific. Because if it is not by the name of the God that has given you that exact prophetic word, he's not obligated to come down. Because the name of the altar enables even the angelic to find the altar in the spiritual. Are you with me? So you cannot start up a business that was given to you by a prophecy and you just call it Isi and Sons. Based on what? What is the manifestation that God wants to produce from that business? Is it Isi and Sons? Or is it supposed to be called the light? Based on the will of God. I said then upon every altar there's a sacrifice. I said so the problem with many of us is that when we reach the point of sacrifice we give up. Because many times the proof of the sacrifice is that it must be consumed. I said so at the point where you began to sacrifice to build that thing and you saw a consuming of all the resources you put into it you backed down. And you said to yourself, ah, it did not work. Is it possible that the burning and the consuming of the sacrifice is the proof that it has been received? I said, so no man keeps an altar that is not a man of faith. That is not a man that believes in the word of the God that gave him the instruction to build. I said, so there must be a persistence and a resilience. I said, you don't build altars based on any material you like. I say God tells you how to build and what it should look like. I say so down to the location of the company. You cannot decide that based on trend, the new place to start a business is Ivory Coast. Who told you to go to Ivory Coast? What if God is telling you, or sure states, is where I am giving you a word. Go back there. Set up your IT company there. And you say, God, there's no business. Is he not the God of the future? Is he not the God that knows in another five years' time they will discover a certain mineral in Oshun State and you will have nationalities flock to that location. When they do, they are going to need an IT company that can meet their needs. There is always a location for an altar. So I said to him, I said, the problem we have many times as Christians when we think about God, the way, the door, the life is that we think about it in a religious mindset and we never allow the spiritual things that God says to us to be distilled into tangible solutions. So we hear altar and we hear fire. If it's fire, how does a businessman raise an altar? If it's fire, how does a woman who is called to be a governor raise an altar? Is it only through praise and worship? Does it not reflect in the policies that she raises? Does it not reflect in the people she hires, in her, she puts in her cabinet? How do you raise an altar? Every altar must have a priesthood. So I said to him, what are the consecrations you are willing to make based on the prophecy God has given to you? I said, so if God has given you this word, I said, there are some places you cannot enter again. Have you seen people who serve strange gods? They keep to their consecrations. If the God tells them after 9 p.m., you cannot touch water, the person will be thirsty, their throat will be dry. Ah, uncle, drink water. Ah, no, my daughter. Yes, I'm all right. <coughs> drink water, I'm okay. Because he knows the moment his tongue touches that water, maybe his first son will die. Then tomorrow, all his businesses will shut down. 
Because you built on your strength. That's why you don't know that there is a God that preserves. If you built with God, you will see the need to keep the consecrations that God requires of you. So my question to you today is, do you see the way? There are gates in many things. I talked to you about the gate of food. There are gates in families. There are gates in men and gates in women. Maybe that would be a good place to end. Because I cannot compress this entire teaching into one hour sermon. The Bible declares concerning the man that whatsoever he called them was what they became. And the Bible says that there was no help that was meet for him. So what did God do? God did not create for him a wife immediately. And I need you to hear me very well. He says God found out that there was no help suitable for him. And God has said it is not good for man to be alone. And we've thought about the word for good is the Hebrew word tov, which is the inherent ability that it has, a thing has to reproduce the good of God in future generations. And those future generations to carry in themselves that same seed that makes it possible for them to continue the reproductive cycle. cycle. So that's the meaning of tov. So when God says it is not good, that was what God meant. That man did not have the capacity to keep reproducing his goodwill on the earth as long as he was alone. Now, God then said, I will make for him a help meet to be able to resolve this matter. God did not now make the help. Rather, he started bringing animals. And then he brought it, the Bible says he will bring them to see what he will call them. Because the way a man identifies a thing determines <laughs> what that thing gives to him. And he will look and he will say, no, this one is cat. Meow, meow, meow. That's his mission on it. And then God will say, very well, thou hast well seen and thou hast well named. And God will bring lion. Oh, this one is a king of the jungle. And whatsoever he called them, he gave them identity. And so when the time came, God put him into a deep sleep. And that's part of the things that happens when you find yourself indoors. When you come to seasons of doors, certain things are activated in the spirit of man. One of the things is dream. Another thing is vision. Another thing is prophecies. There was never a time that a way was opened in the realm of the spirit that prophecies were not released. Never a time that dreams and visions were not activated. So if you are sitting here, you are still choking with your dreams and your vision, I beg you in the name of Jesus, deliver yourself into victory. Because those realms are real. And God speaks to them expressly. The Bible says in the book of Job, God speaks one way or the other. He says, when men sleep and deep slumber fall upon them on their bed, the Lord visits men and he seals their ears with his instructions so that he may turn them away from their deeds. So it is possible for a man to go to bed one way and wake up another way because God will turn you away from your deed. And you wake up and you say, you know what? I just want to start going to church. 
Why? Because while you sleep, operations happen. He says, in the last day, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. In the last day, is a door. The door of the last day is open in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that Peter began to say, is this not what Joel prophesied about? That in the last day, he will pour the spirit upon all. So when the door of the last day opens, or has opened, part of the manifestation is prophecy, dreams, and visions. So don't let anybody con you into it. I know that many prophets have disgraced the kingdom. So I apologize on behalf of the prophetic. But you see, where there are many oxen, there is a lot of poop. That's what the Bible says. So there is no way that some will not miss the mark. But how can you allow yourself to be aggravated by a good thing simply because another person corrupted it? If they, your cook made something bad for you yesterday, because of that, you're not going to chop again for life. Is that how we behave? A tailor made a cloth for you that was not good. Because of that, you, are go, you will go naked now in life. Because all these tailors, they just mess up clothing, far forget clothes. If we will not do that with physical, tangible things, how can you do that with spiritual keys that can open you up to your destiny? So yes, some prophets have messed up. They are wrong. But does it mean that prophecy is wrong? Some people have manipulated falsely interpreted dreams but does it mean that dream interpretation is not of the Lord kingdoms have been saved by dreams generations liberated and saved from famines by accurate interpretation of dreams it is part of the markers of the last days and we are in those days so Abraham, um, Adam goes to sleep and God pulls the woman out of him that's why anybody that tells you you can be man or you can be woman is from the pit of hell. Because the Bible expressly said that God took the woman out of the man. So in the name of Jesus, I'm not man. I am woman. Complete in my identity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Complete. I cannot choose what I identify as was not given to me by right to do. God decided who man should be and who woman should be. Quote me anywhere. I said it. You understand what I'm talking about? It's the word of the Lord. So he pulls the woman out and then he brings her to the man and the Bible says and the man named her and he was the one that called her woman. When God was going to make her, he says, I will make help. So what God made was a helper. And the Hebrew word is an Ezra, which is a military strategist. So the original identity of woman is that she's a gate of strategy. When you have a woman in your life as your partner, I am telling you that if you build her up and maximize her, there should be no trouble in this life you cannot overcome. If you empower that which she carries as an inherent altar given to her by God, you should be able to get a way to navigate through trials and tribulations. But the reason why many times the gate of the woman is not opened unto the man is because by himself he abuses the gate and tears down the gate. And when she rises up as the Ezra made by God, sometimes it intimidates the man. So he shuts it down. And so what you have is what has degenerated from God made Ezra, man named her woman, after the fall, called her Eve. So 
bam, 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 bam. So many people are still at the Eve state. What is the Eve? Ah, when I go carry belly. What is the Eve? Ah, labor pain. Which school will my children go to? What is Eve? Your desire shall be for the man only. Where are you coming from? Where are you going to? I don't like the way you treat me. God, need you notice my lingerie? What is going on? Look at my long hair. Eve. Eve. As long as we're in this world, there must be an Eve dimension in all of us. Yes. With all this strong apostolic prophetic altar opening gate shifting sermon, I did trouble my husband. You don't notice I buy shoe. Did you notice that I've changed my hair? Bobby, what is it? I buy 20 new night gown, you don't notice. Come and see if this gate shall be opened unto you. Praise Jesus. So there's an Eve on the inside of every woman. But you must remember you were first an Ezra. According to the will of God and according to the desire of the heavens. And because of this, that's why the Bible says, wives, submit to your husband. Because you have this thing inside you that naturally you organize, you want to arrange things, but you have to learn strength under subjection and to learn to distill power in time, season, and under authorization. And then this is the man with such great capacity to do, to be. Upon his authority, she received a new name. Upon his power, all things were named. He could create, he could craft. Man, you have such great ability, but you have to learn to bring it down into loving this person. Because you can love many. You can do many things. You can be received by many. But you see, even though God is the God of the whole earth, yet he brings his love and he funnels it through one tribe, Israel. And he puts for you an example of how a man is able to contain the capacity he has and the freedom and liberty he has to spread himself out, yet in constraint he chooses to love and be faithful to one. There is no God that is a God without constraint. There is no God that is a God without constraint. The authority of a God is based on his ability to constrain himself along the lines of righteousness and justice. You must be a God. If not, you cannot control doorways in the spirit. So when a man and a woman stand together, one flesh, they begin to speak like Jesus spoke in Luke 14. I and the Father are one. When you have seen me, you have seen the Ezra and you have seen the man. You have seen the strategies and you have seen the name giver. When we stand together as one, upon my authority is the authority of my husband. Upon his authority is my authority. Any door that opens to me opens to him and any gate that opens to him opens to me. And so this is why you cannot enslave your partner to a satanic door. 
There are struggles that people have that it wasn't them that opened, it was their spouses. Because anywhere you go, your altar goes with you and your partner goes with you. So that's why the Bible began to say, will you sleep with a prostitute and join the body of Christ to a prostitute's body? Even Jesus can be joined to certain things by the actions of the priests that represent him. So on, our, on one day, Pastor Mo, we'll just do an entire teaching on priesthood. 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 Service and priesthood. Sacrifice and priesthood. Altars and priesthood. Covenants and priesthood. Because a generation that does not understand priesthood is a generation that can be enslaved by hell. It's very simple. Let us pray. Please, can we stand on our feet? These messages are not preached to us to condemn us, to reduce us. But we have received the word of life to empower us. Because every time the Lord begins to speak about doors and gates, there are certain things God is speaking about. He's speaking about a point of transition. He's speaking about a point of access. He's speaking about connection between realms. People becoming bridges. He's speaking about gates and tables of negotiation. He's speaking about judgment that is about to come. He's speaking about empowerment and transformation. Every time God begins to say, I am talking about the new way and I'm talking about a door that is open. It is because the spirit of God is about to release certain things over the people that he is speaking the message over. So my question today is, do you know what is open unto you? In the spirit, there are gates. Sometimes there are windows. Sometimes there are doors. Do you know what the Lord has opened to you? Today, by the spirit of God, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to ask the Lord, Father, please, do not let me be ignorant of the door that I stand under. Thanks for listening to this message from The Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 